0: well i did my very best to save some voice for this morning uh yelling was crazy i I found some different ways to make noise clapping and banging on chairs and they changed all the chairs out in the chief stadium i think to kind of make more room right like the chairs are a tiny bit smaller but they're also like uh let's just say i was testing the structural integrity (laughs) of these chairs it's not quite the same plastic that it used to be and so like i sat down at one point and i was like oh I may go all the way down here. I don't, think, I don't think these chairs are supposed to recline, but mine certainly was. So I don't know if that was a sign. I, I didn't take it as a sign that I like, need to lose weight. I just figured it's because I have so many layers on. At least that's what I told people. It's just all the clothes. So I don't know how you guys feel about impressions. And when I, I'm like people doing impressions. But to me, uh, it is one of the most useless but impressive talents that exists on the face of the planet and and let me explain like if you're really, really good at them, you can make money. I, myself, am an impressionist. I love to do impressions of people. And I do it so many times without even knowing that I'm doing it. Uh, that sometimes I'm sure it's offensive. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to get in trouble all the time because somebody would say something, and I'm like a little mockingbird. I would just repeat it, or they'd have a funny laugh, and I would, I would mimic it. And my mom would, like, go to slap me in the chest, but somehow her hand always found my face. Um, LAUGHTER but I it's just something I love. Like if I need to kill time, that's what I I'll like pull up YouTube and I'll watch a video of actors or comedians doing impressions of other people. One of the best in the world, but I don't I should you probably know this by now because he's gotten kind of a falling for it. But Jamie Foxx, like if you ever just want to watch somebody do some impressions that are like perfect of every random person in the world, Jamie Foxx, for whatever reason, is impeccable. Like he can do everyone in every situation at every time, and I don't know why. I'm kind of jealous of that, Uh, because maybe if I was that good, I'd be famous too, and I don't know, making money off of it. But here's the thing. In in order to be um, someone who is impressed is that i don't know have impressions done of you like in order for that to be the case you have to be somebody who is worthy of having an impression done of you right we typically don't do impressions of people we're not fans of or friends of or people that we love like it you know there's got to be something about them that we look at them and we say I'm going to emulate that. I'm going to do an impression. Maybe their, their voice, their cadence is, is unique and interesting. Christopher Walken, right? Everybody seems to be able to do a Christopher Walken impression. And it, There's just something about them that, that makes them worthy to be emulated. Now, people say that imitation is the formous, the sincerest form of flattery, and I, I believe that. And if we're honest, guys, the way that we live our lives really is an imitation, we imitate our parents. We imitate our friends. We imitate people we look up to. We try to be like them. We try to to live like them. It's kind of how children learn is by imitating others, right? They go through that whole stage where they're Mimicking and mocking and and saying everything you say and sometimes that can get you in a lot of trouble as a parent because Everybody learns what it is that you say at home uh, When they just pop off at school and say something they shouldn't that never has happened to me personally But man, I've got some family members who uh, there's some great stories out there. There's some doozies. So We try to be like people that we we love and respect the problem is that oftentimes Especially as kids, we choose to imitate people that really aren't worthy of us trying to live our lives like them. We just make poor choices. But luckily, as Christians, we have the perfect example in Christ. I mean, the absolute perfect example of Christ, who himself did his best to imitate God in all that he did to the point that he received the blessing from God who said, this is my son, right? With whom I'm well pleased. Like he, he was given the same status as God on earth by God himself. Christ, this perfect example of humility, denied himself of his own equality with God, even being given that honor by God himself. And so today we're, as we talk and continue to talk about humility, we're going to look at the example of Christ. And this is one of my, Uh, favorite passages in all of scripture. And I feel like I say that regularly, but maybe just I love scripture. Like I read something and I think, man, that's so cool. And and there's so much depth to that and there's so much to learn from it. Well, this is certainly one of those passages. So Philippians 2, 1 through 11, I'm going to read through it in typical fashion, and then we're going to kind of break it down verse by verse. But this is what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that verse again right now because it's that powerful. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (sighs) Like there need to be some trumpets, bugles at the very least, some confetti cannons. Like this is one of those things that if you don't feel, if you can't feel it, you're just not reading it the right way. Like I can physically feel this passage. I physically get excited. I don't know why it's the reaction, but I would punch somebody in the face right now. Like a very loving, a very loving punch. But it just seems like one of those things that like you just gotta get jazzed up by. Like it's one of those songs you hear before you go play a football game. If somebody read this to me, I would be ready to rip someone's head off for the Lord. Right? Like it just gets me so excited. And verse one, guys, simply is a, a pre condition for everything else that follows. It's an if then statement, right? How do we apply verse one to our lives? It's like this. If you consider yourselves a Christian, because that's what verse one is really saying. If you consider yourself one of Christ's own, then you should do the following. If you have any connection to Christ whatsoever and, and you have affection for him and you you have experienced everything that Christ died to give you then you should do the rest of what I'm saying. How we answer that question of whether or not we find ourselves to be believers in who Christ is determines on how determines how we view the next 10 verses. What we think about verse 1 determines how we view, how we apply the importance of verses 2 through 11 to us. Because if we answer that question in the affirmative, if we answer those questions that Paul asked with a yes, then we are expected to complete the following four things found in verse 2, which says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind so we are to be like-minded we are to love one another equally we are to be of one spirit we are to be of one mind both paul and peter's writings are littered with similar statements if you put in this verse too, you will just have a bunch of other verses pop up all over the place that are populated, that, that share the same message. Like in, verse Peter, in 1 Peter 3.8, which says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Here is the thing. Humble Christians seek unity with the body of Christ. Humble Christians seek unity with the body of Christ. And this makes something clear to me, something that is going to change the way that I use this terminology for the rest of this series, okay? From this point forward, you will no longer hear me say a humble Christian or a humble believer. I'm not going to use it. You'll just hear me say believers or Christians. Okay, you'll hear me speak to the expectations in that way because by definition, a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Christ-loving Christian is humble. By definition, that's what a Christian is. There's no such thing as a humble Christian and a non-humble Christian, right? There is such things as those who follow Jesus and those don't. Those that follow Jesus and those don't. Okay, if you are struggling with humility, you are not following Jesus. There's no other way around it. If you have such an elevated sense of self, there's no way that Christ can possibly hold the position in your life that he needs to hold. There's no such thing as a humble believer. There's just a believer. And believers by definition are humble because our Christ was humble. Humble. Look at verse 3 and 4, which state, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And this is one of those things we've brought up over the series, but can you just imagine, I want you to just think for a moment about the utopia that would exist. If we all had this mindset, if we looked first to what was most valuable for everyone else rather than what was valuable for ourselves, right? And if everyone else looked first at what was valuable for us and not for them, if we all looked out for what was best for each other, think about how much better of a place our world would be. Again, this doesn't say don't look after your own interests. It just says that we are putting others first. Because if we are imitating Christ, if we are living our lives as an imitation of the Son of God, then that is exactly what we do. We put others first. The train agrees. We put others first. Because doing the opposite, doing the opposite destroys unity. There is no room in our lives for empty glory. None. It is a waste of time. It is a futile pursuit. We aren't living to pat ourselves on the back. We aren't trying to be first. And if you believe scriptures such as Matthew 19.30 that says, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first, it makes it clear that we should actually seek the opposite of the first space, Right? It's not about finishing first. It's not about being number one. It's not about putting ourselves on a pedestal. It is about making ourselves the very last. Jesus tells that, that very uh, pointed story, right? We call them parables where he talks about uh, the, the, the guest at, at the, the dinner party and how you should never at a dinner party sit yourself next to the person who's hosting the dinner party because you might be embarrassed because they might rather sit by somebody else. Right, They might say, hey, uh, Phil, we're going to need you to get up and shift about six spots down because I'd like these people to be right next to me, right? But rather, you should sit as far away as possible. Take a seat that isn't a seat of honor so that in doing so, you might be honored because the host might say, hey, Phil, why are you sitting all the way down there? Come closer. I want you to, to be with me, right? There's a whole lot less embarrassment in humility. There's a whole lot more godliness in humility. The way to be like Christ is to, in fact, be humble. We should not seek first, but humbly we must see others as having a greater value than ourselves. A spirit of pride in human relationships indicates a lack of humility before God. A spirit of pride in human relationships indicates a lack of humility before God. We're looking around at the people in our lives and in our world, and we're thinking, well, I'm better than that person, right? Or we're thinking of all the ways that we check boxes that they don't. I I guarantee you there's something off about our relationship with God if we're doing that. We, we are not standing before God with the attitude of humility that should exist in our lives. How we avoid this pitfall is by what verse 5 tells us is the same mindset of Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who. Being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I've been struggling all week with with finding a way to make you feel specifically verses 5 through 11 in the way that you should feel them. And I already told you, for me, this, this evokes, I mean, real feelings. Like I can feel my heart start to race. I can get a little jittery. Like I told you, I'm getting fired up. I can feel it, and I want you to feel it too. I want you to read it in such a way that you feel it. Like, I wanted some deep bass, and like, I don't know. I talked about the confetti cannons. Like, the, I turn off the mic, turn it all the way up. Let's turn it back on and blare that sound again that was at the beginning of service. Like, we have got to just absolutely feel this, having the same mindset of Christ, who being the very nature of God, the exact nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. How interesting that in our salt group this morning, we talked about Adam and Eve and how they were tricked by the serpent who all he had to say to them was, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because he just doesn't want you to be like him. You see there's something innately sinful because this this was taking place in Adam and Eve before sin was introduced into the world. Sin hadn't yet taken place because they hadn't yet broken the only rule that God had given them. But there is something innate within us that wants to equate ourselves to God. I am in control. I have the power. I know what's best. Look at me. Everybody should follow my way. I know the best way. I am wise. I am smart. I am beautiful. I am intelligent. It's all these affirmations they tell uh, us to tell ourselves in the mirror so we'll walk out in the morning feeling really great about ourselves, right? I, I have the power. Here's Christ who literally had the power. He had it. Like it was his And he was worthy of it. And yet he says, it's just not something that can be grasped. This equality with God is not something I can use to my own advantage. Say what? All the power in the world to yield, and yet he chooses not to. He chooses not to. Instead, Instead, verses seven and eight, rather he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Excuse me. Excuse me. All the power in the world to yield, deserving of it, should be just adorned, right? Deserves the table next to the, to the feast host, And he says, no, you know what? I'm not even going to sit at the table. I'll just be outside. If you need somebody to pour your drinks, let me know. If I can help you clean up that mess, I will gladly do it. He is God, and yet he decides to make himself a servant, being made in human likeness. And I'm... Well, aware, and yes, I'm being funny, but I am also being honest. I am well aware that Jesus was probably in much f- better physical shape than I. <laughs> but there are times in my life where I'm forced to see myself in a mirror, and I think God chose this. <laughs> like, Christ was like, hey, I'll be a human. <laughs> Why? Why? And it goes further. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. You see, here's the thing about God, it's one of the conditions of being God, he doesn't die. He doesn't die, he is eternal, he is almighty. There is nothing that can kill God, or he is not God. But Christ said, hey, you know what? I'll give that up, and I'll be obedient to death. I will die, but not just that. I'll let you pin me to a cross. I'll let you beat me. I'll let you blaspheme me. I'll let you break me. I'll let you spill my blood. I will suffer. I will cry. I will be destroyed. I will be literally nailed to a cross. I choose it. Why? Because he had the mindset of Christ as he was Christ. And he saw others as more valuable than himself, even though he was equal to God. You want to know why you can't comprehend that? It's because it makes no sense. You shouldn't be able to comprehend it. It makes no sense. It doesn't. And yet God sees you and you individually. I believe this with all my heart. He sees you individually and he says that. Person is enough. That person is enough. Phil Souza, you are enough. Heath Hamilton, you are enough. Devin Keaton, you are enough. You are all enough. If it was just you, it would have been enough because he will leave the 99 to chase the one. And he is coming after you because he loves you. He loves you. If you take nothing else from today, this is what I want you to remember, this next statement. Christ wasn't held to the cross by the nails in his hands and feet. It was his humility that kept him there in your place. Christ was not kept to the cross by the nails in his hand and feet. At any moment, he could have called of host and angels. He could have been miraculously healed. He could have come down off that cross. He was God. He is God, but he chose you. In his humility, seeing you as more worthy than himself, seeing you as more valuable than himself, to God the Father, he chose you, and he stayed up on that cross all the way through his death so that you might experience the love of God. That is humility. The gospel is cemented in a foundation of humility. The cross stood in Christ's humility. Not only did he allow himself to stay on the cross, but he is what held the cross together. Make no mistake about it. Therefore, verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's why Christ is where he is. That's why he deserves the adoration that I say he deserves. Because When he could have taken it, when he could have taken it, when he could have chosen it, he didn't. And so God said, now it will be given to you. Now it will be yours. And as we study the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, yes, this is a plug for the gathering. (laughs) 6 to 8 p.m., we share a meal. We go over the Bible. Lots of discussion. It's great. But as we study the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights and we talk about the second coming of Christ whenever that should take place, make no mistake about it that every knee will bow. Every knee. And every tongue will confess whether they want to or otherwise. Because Christ is who God says He is. And he is the name above all names. And he is God. Because God made it so. There is no better example to imitate in your life. There is no better thing to follow. There is no better way. If you want to be the best you that you can be, open up the scriptures. Get in your Bible. Read a little bit every day. Pray. It will change you from the inside out. And before you know it, you will be looking at a different person in the mirror. Let's pray. God, I come to You right now and I thank You for this day. I thank You for the example that Christ gave to us. I thank You that You loved us and He loved us enough to say that we were worthy. And that in his humility, he chose to put off what it was that he deserved so that others could have what they didn't. God, we have a hard time comprehending this because it's just not how it works in our world. I mean, we want what we deserve. And I... I don't even know that that's a bad thing. Many of us are justified in just wanting what it is that we deserve, yet we serve a God who said, to heck with what I deserve. I'm going to make sure that others are taken care of. I'm going to put them first. So God, give us a heart Give us a heart that that seeks not the adoration of others, that seeks not to be put up on a pedestal and and to be celebrated, but, but rather, God, a heart that says, let me serve others. Let me put them first. Let me do whatever I can do to show them the love of God even when it may come at my own expense, because that is what Christ did. May we all change the things that we need to change to reconstruct our lives the way that we need to reconstruct them in order to follow Christ the way that we need to follow Christ. God, we ask for the strength to do these things And the wisdom to see that humility is the only way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you stand here in just a minute or two, we're going to worship. I want you to think about worship today as we worship and and, and how maybe just after that message, maybe what we just saw in Scripture, maybe how worship changes, maybe just a little bit for you. Because all it is is an offering to Christ, to show him the love that we have for him and the appreciation that we have for him for what it was that he did for us all those years ago when he said, don't put me first. Instead, go ahead and drive the nails in. Worship is that offering. So think today about how you might be able to worship him better. If you need to pray with someone today, uh, Ashley, could you stand up over here? And um, Shane, could I call on you? Would you mind? Shane Coker's going to be back over here by this whiteboard. Um, If you need to pray with somebody, I'm going to be right here. Come pray with me as well. But you've got three options today. Uh, If there's something in your life that you need to take to God, take it to God. And allow us to to pray for you and and be there for you on your behalf, okay? If you need to talk about salvation because maybe something today clicked with you that hadn't clicked before and and you need to, to talk about what it means to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do not leave today without having that conversation because we are not promised another second. We know that. So the minute you leave this place is a minute too late. Don't leave without having that conversation. And if membership is something you're interested in, we'll talk about that after service. Right now, it's about the decisions that you can make for Christ and the way that you can worship Him. Stand with us now and let's do so.